The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Thanks, Rob. It's uh, seven minutes past eight. A high-level symposium focusing on the impact of cartel collusion on the economy of South Africa was held at Johannesburg Sighting Convention Centre yesterday. They focused on the scale and number of market participants involved in such conduct and also how collusion impedes transformation of the economy. They said cartel collusion and other anti-competitive activities represent a stranglehold at both a structural and entrepreneurial <coughs> level on the country's economy. The issue recently came to the fore when the Competition Commission announced in June that it had reached a settlement of 1.5 billion rand in penalties with 15 construction firms for collusive tendering in contravention of the Competition Act. The settlement came against the backdrop of numerous other collusive practices by various other business entities in other segments of the South African economy, most notably the bread, fishing, airline and communications industries. So what is the impact of collusion on our economy? This is the question we're asking. And uh, joining me in the studio now is Gregory Mufuking of the Black Business Council, executive member there. Mzuwadumo Khobushe is head of advocacy for the Competition Commission and Charles Abrams of Abrams Kivitz Incorporation incorporated a South African-based law firm also in the studio with us. Gentlemen, a very good morning to you and welcome. Good morning to you, citizen, to the listeners. Mr. Khabuja, perhaps I should, uh, or rather Mr. Mufaking, let me start with you because the Black Business Council hosted this summit and uh, I mean I found the comment by your CEO very interesting and I'm sure uh, there are those who would find it jarring because they uh, no, South Africans. Uh, the, saying that the, the cartel practice is highly educated but led by white male executives in dark suits and this is where people's ears start picking up because they, they probably will say to you is it really a transformation issue or is it just purely about greed well I think um, you know what the CEO said is actually true uh, but one needs to look at the angle that we're taking as the Black Business Council and the angle we're taking is that uh, you know our members who are black are not uh, being uh, afforded the space to participate in the economy due to the activities of these cartelists which in the main are white in dark suits um, so I think um, I mean th- that's the angle we're taking. If you look at the, the our economy, uh, so you'll see that it is a highly concentrated economy. Uh, if you just take a glance at the economic sector, so you'll see that there are a few companies at the top of the food chain who are actually dominating each and every sector of this economy. And this is where you know the cartel uh, you know activity uh, actually happens. Uh, therefore, our angle is to say that because of this actions of the cartel our members are unable to make a meaningful um, you know, impact in the economy and therefore this hampers transformation. Are you saying it's largely established capital that's behind this uh, practice? Yes, indeed, it is. And I think if one looks at the cases that you've previously mentioned, including the, the construction industry, you will see that the very uh, you know, companies that are guilty here uh, is this white capital in the main and these are the guys that are, domin- uh, are dominant in the sector. Well then, Mr. Khubusha, to come to you then, how do we quantify the impact of um, collusion on our economy, given the fact that uh, it's very difficult to even calculate overcharges? Yeah, good morning, Professor. Good morning to uh, the listeners. <laughs> yeah, you, you are correct uh, in, in saying that uh, it's, uh, it's difficult uh, to quantify uh, 
over over churches uh, uh, <coughs> but uh, the commission has uh, on its own you know did uh, its own uh, study you know with regards to the impact for example of the uh, of the uh, cement uh, cartel with regards to you know uh, the over the overcharge um, and then we we found that uh, in fact you know these uh, overcharges uh, they tended to range between uh, 15 you know and uh, uh, 20 uh, uh, percent you know um, so but uh, i mean as 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 you have indicated before it's 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 difficult yeah to especially the fact that you have to rely on those involved to give you information about uh, the extent of the collusion yeah, yeah, yes uh, uh, it's a it is uh, it is um but uh, i mean uh Th- that information, yes, I mean, is uh, available. I mean, from the firms themselves, you know, and the parties therefore can uh, request. I mean, that uh, information. Request it, but do you get it? I mean, I'm just thinking of uh, the recent case in the construction industry. That process itself is not over. You're still busy with that. Uh, are you sure you have all the information that you've requested? But because yes, while well, you might give companies amnesty to say if you uh, come clean, often the criticism is, you know, it's kind of asking the devil to reveal himself and say, yes, this is just how evil I am. Yeah, I mean, it's, so we, I mean, the commission is basically, I mean, a, a creature of statute. We have to work, I mean, within the, the perimeters of the, of the law. I mean, the reason for us receiving information in that, fa- in that uh, fashion is that uh, we have a corporate leniency policy, you know, that uh, requires parties to come forward, you know, mm-hmm. in return for, for, for leniency. So it's on those basis that, uh, they come to the to the commission basically and disclose uh, information. Mr. Abrams, perhaps just looking at the South African example, the fact that collusion cases often involve markets that were historically categorised by legal cartels. If you could just break that down for us, because uh, one then begins to say, what are you talking about here when you talk about legal and cartels in the same breath? Yeah, indeed, sir. Um, to be so, it's perhaps you know worthwhile to just note that, yeah, in the South African economy, the overcharge you know that cartel has on the economy is about between 15 and you know 20 percent, and that's in line with the international statistics you know that are out there. Now, cartel activity is a form of um, corruption. And corruption represents about 5% of the world economy, which as at 19, sorry, 2011, was about 1.5 trillion US dollars. So it's an enormous tax you know, on the world economy. And in a country such as South Africa, with the huge disparities, we can only imagine the impact you know, that it would have on the most marginalized people in the country. Now take, for instance, the example of bread in the Western Cape, where we've had... Uh, major bread, you know, companies such as Pioneer, Premier and Tiger, you know, having colluded to increase the price of bread over a concerted period of time. But historically, these were, in fact, you know, the ways in which these uh, entities, you know, have operated because they were regulatory boards that, you know, brought these respective entities or you know, corporations together. And with the deregulation of you know these respective boards, uh, bread board, wheat boards, etc., these <laughs> companies effectively continued, but in a private mm-hmm. you know form. 
And the whole idea of the Competition Act was in fact you know, aimed at eradicating not just you know, your regulatory boards, but also these forms of informal private um, you know, cartel you know, collusion. It's a structural problem in the South African economy because it's not just confined to the construction industry, but it's widespread. We're looking at steel, bread, you know, I've mentioned flour, um, you know, technology, you know, various you know, sectors that are impacted upon, and at the end of the day, it has a knock-on effect to the end consumer. Mm. Uh, this is the part where, Mr. Mufakeng, one would ask the question, is the Competition Act really uh, working? Because... Uh, as Mr. Abrams has just pointed out, the, those long-standing relationships still continue outside of the regulated area. The business environment then therefore becomes poison. Most definitely. There are two aspects that I need to make you and the listeners aware of. The first one is that, yes, indeed, we have picked up gaps as far as our competition law uh, is concerned, and we have, in fact, uh, uh, you know, highlighted this at our symposium yesterday, and we've said that we will be engaging the Commission to make sure that <coughs> we close those gaps, because for as long as those gaps are there, uh, the private sector will always find a loophole to engage in this kind of activity. The other aspect here is that uh, this indicates to us that there is still lack of transformation in our private sector because with the de deregulation that um, Charles spoke uh, about, I think business was supposed to change in the manner in which they do business, and, but we are not seeing that coming through. So there is lack of transformation. People are still doing things that uh, they were doing 30, 40 years ago. And this is where the problem is that we, uh, we have big, white-owned companies that are not transforming to conform with the new laws of this country. But equally, I mean, there's an, uh, an equally dim view of a BEE because uh, some are saying that it's collusion between, or the perception of collusion between political and economic elites. And if you're talking about black economic empowerment, these are people who are coming into that space. Yes, I think, uh, you know, if one has to look at that perspective, the fact of the matter is that black people have not always played a part in the economy. And if you look at BEE, it was designed to make sure that at least black people have a role to play. They can enter the economy and become, uh, you know, active participants in the economy. Now, what you find is that... Uh, Acts such as these ones where you find that people are colluding, in fact it undermines BEE because instead of uh, the marketplace being uh, free for, to everybody to participate, you'll find that the actions of the cartelists are undermining that. Now, I think, you know, one can, uh, can, can never say that BEE is collusion between black business and, and, and government because we had, to, we had to correct a political situation which led to black people not participating in the I don't think that would economy. be the criticism. I think the criticism would, would then be people who are fully aware of that themselves. Have, there have been people who have been found to be involved in such collusive behavior, people taking bribes, people agreeing to, to front. Then there is a loophole there. Whether it's behavioral or not, what would you do then to ensure that it doesn't muddy the waters for empowerment? 
Yes, I think those uh, issues we've also taken note of. And if you look at the amendments to the Triple B Act, in fact, it now uh, you know criminalizes fronting, for instance, because those are issues that we are aware of, and we are saying that those cannot be welcomed. You know, so that we 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 have uh, you know a, a a playing field which is leveled, and everybody knows what the rules of the game are. And 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 if you are going to be bribing, obviously that is criminal activity, and and and, and those kind of of conduct we cannot condone at all. Mm. The, uh, yes, Mr. Yeah, yeah, if I can uh, just uh, add, uh, so at least from a public sector point of view, the impact of these uh, cartels. Obviously, from the uh, public sector point of view, I mean, the fact that the, uh, these firms engage in, 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 in collusion is that the state actually then incur far higher costs, I mean, than the state uh, ought to have, uh, to have incurred. They therefore have an impact of, uh, of draining, you know, the, the national fiscals. I mean, as, a, as it were. In fact, I mean, I'm aware of a, of a municipality, for an example, that, uh, you know, um, was in the black, I mean, prior to uh, the collusion, and now they are in the, in the, in the red, you know, as, a, cons- as, as a consequence of... Uh, what of, lessons of have you learned since uh, 2011 when, you, when there was a price-fixing complaint in, in, in the oil sector with, risca- with regard to bitumen, which I believe has led to some sort of bitumen index, which helps you uh, calculate the extent to uh, collusion, overcharges, etc.? Yeah, so we are still, uh, I mean, uh, engaging uh, with the Bitumen uh, Association, I mean, around, around this matter. We have not uh, finalized it as yet. Mm. But, but what have you been able to extrapolate from it that uh, tells us, I mean, we, we've mentioned various other industries that have been able to get away with collusion. People want, listening out there want to know what teeth has the Competition Commission now acquired through all of these lessons learned? Have you acquired any? Do you need more teeth? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, I suppose, I mean, the fact of the matter is that uh, the Commission can actually do what the Act allows it to do. I mean, at the, at the present moment, what uh, the Commission can actually do is to impose administrative penalties up to 10% of a firm's annual financial uh, turnover of the mm. previous uh, year. I'm sure you are aware that, uh, I mean, the Competition Act was uh, amended uh, to include a criminal uh, liability. Uh, however, that provision has not come into effect as yet. Mm. We're taking calls now, 0891 and uh, you can give us a call, share your thoughts with us. We're asking this question, what is the impact of collusion on our economy? What is the impact of collusion on our economy? And we are available on SMS as well, 34701. It'll cost you two rand per SMS. And uh, Twitter... Twitter handle at AM Live on SFM. Abrams, just looking at, uh, and of course we're going to have this conversation uh, with Mr. Michael Hartsfield later on. He is with a US based law firm that was taking part in this. But I, I'm just wondering the liberalization of our markets as well as international trade and finan- finance flows, how do they aid collusion or collusive behavior or cartel formation? Well, liberalisation of markets is in fact, you know, meant to provide for, you know, free economic activity in the country, and that was certainly the intent also, you know, behind the enactment of the Competition Act. But what we have seen is that, you know, particularly in South Africa, was, you know, companies in fact have gravitated to do what they know best, you know, in doing. So, so they've used, you know, this space to, you know, you know, form these form of, you know, private, you know, cartel 
uh, operations and activities in various you know guises you know, and so on. But I think you know the most important you know, key you know aspect that I, you know, I think we also need to take uh, cognizance of is the fact that the Competition Act you know through you know, you know the various uh, procedural you know or statutory requirements provides for you know a, a, a public law penalty, but at the same time it also provides for a private enforcement. Now that that is is something that we have not yet seen you know, happening in South Africa. In other jurisdictions, notably the United States, it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, a practice that's been coming on for more than a century. And we've seen in the last you know, 10, 20 years that that is now becoming more and more frequent in, in the European Union, uh, ultimately with the aim of breaking the stranglehold you know, on not only just cartels but all forms of anti-competitive practices. But when you say private, uh, private practice, what, what do you mean? How, how would that differ from... Okay. So what, what would happen is that you know, once the... Um, the tribunal has, you know, you know, through the, you know, with the commission, etc., you know, has imposed a penalty either in the form of a consent order or as a result of you know, a hearing, that you know becomes what is known as a you know public penalty uh, through your public enforcement me- um, mechanism. But as the, the the act provides for in terms of you know, section 65, that um, once there has been a finding that a, a party who has suffered you know a harm you know or been injured as a result of that would indeed you know, have recourse to you know, the courts in the country uh, where he or she or it would be able to prove, would have to prove you know, the damages that it suffered as a result of that. So that is, claim. exactly, so that okay. is in addition. We haven't seen civil claims um, in, in the country arising out of these anti-competitive practices. The one that we've seen was initially um, brought by Nationwide, you know, against South African Airways. And of course, we've now seen with the class action that has been instituted in the Western Cape High Court you know, against the bread manufacturing company on behalf of consumers in, in the Western Cape. Okay. So we're certainly moving in that direction. I've got callers on the line. Let's take those 891 You are welcome to SMS us if that's the medium you'd like to use. 891 the hotline number to call 34701, the one to SMS. It'll cost you two rand per SMS. Professor Ruela Mila from UNISA Graduate School of Business. A very good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Fabiso. Um, I, I, I just want to say something related to this particular matter, Fabiso, because uh, um, when, when we talk about this particular issue, I see that uh, we remain at the upper stream. Uh, what I mean is that uh, we talk about the contractors who have done actually uh, this particular aspect, but uh, we don't actually even look at uh, how these tenders were actually assessed. Because for me, for somebody to be able to, to actually to get an award, you, that there is somebody who has prepared a, a, tender, a tender report. So for me, it goes as well to the public sector ability to be able to procure. I think uh, more in terms of the procurement intelligence, the project management intelligence, and the the maturity of those particular uh, government departments to be able to look through this. Because uh, one aspect which uh, you'll find across the world when you are dealing with these oligopoly tendencies is actually to make sure that uh, you have got a procurement regime which will actually be able to siphon out some of these particular problems. And and, then... uh, when we talk about the impact, actually, we need to look at across the, 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 the processes, actually, from those departments which award these particular contracts as well. Because the draining is going to continue unless we deal as well with the, with the cause and not the symptoms. All right. Thank you very much, Professor Ruela Mila. And Ronald's on the line from Polokwane. You say anti-competitive rolling in the medical industry. Ronald, is that what you're saying? Good morning, Tabiso. This is Ronald from Polokwane. Hi. 
I just wanted to check uh, with the um, competition commission uh, guest in the studio uh, about the relevance of the um, latest uh, competition commission rulings in the medical industry. Um, to put a little bit of perspective on that, um, doctors uh, used to, well, some and other stakeholders in the medical industry used to sit together and, and set rates or agree on rates that doctors could charge for medical services. And, um, you know, they were taken to court and that was considered anti-competitive and collusive behavior. But the unintended consequences of that is now doctors charge um, fees that they feel, um, you know, they deserve. But what happens is the medical aid set their own rates and only pay scheme rates. What that happens is what, what that results in is that, you know, you have consumers that go to doctors or hospitals and end up settled with uh, medical aid bills, with, with medical bills for the shortfall between what the doctors charge and what the medical aid pays. Um, you know, this never used to happen because of the, you know, with the set rate, everybody used to agree on what the rates are and the medical aid used to pay, um, you know, the summer fees as they were called. All right, thanks a lot, Ronald. Oh, 891 uh, Let me come back then to you, Mr. Khubusha, your, your response to what Ronald is asking. Okay, thanks, Ms. Can I respond first to the first question? Sure. Yeah. Um, the professor at, at UNISA, I mean, asked the question um, with regards to how the tenders were actually prepared. And then uh, he points out that uh, th- th- there is a problem there. You know, with what the Competition Commission basically has, has done in recognition of, of that very fact of a particular uh, problem is that uh, we have uh, gone out of our way, I mean, to train uh, procurement uh, officials, you know, in terms of how they prepare those particular uh, tenders, you know, to prevent uh, collusive uh, tendering, you know. Because if they are able to identify it, we are able then to uh, prevent it, you know. Uh, to date, I mean, as, as, as such, as a we have already uh, trained, I mean, as a competition commission in the region of 1,200, I mean, uh, government uh, uh, procurement officials. A- am I saying, uh, saying uh, for you to be able to identify it, you have to be looking for it. You have to be looking, for instance, for yeah. suspicious bidding patterns. Uh, and are people doing their job in that? Yes, it's a pleasure. I mean, uh, that's exactly what, I mean, the training is about. We are actually communicating to them what is it that they ought to look for that is those beating the uh, rigging uh, patterns and i mean we we have uh, uh, been uh, seen successes i mean in this regard in that there have been uh, cases that we actually uh, received from the public sector uh, in 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 the, in the recent part one of those cases i mean is the hiv test case case that we uh, we have recently uh, prosecuted this 100 million uh, rand uh, tender uh, that we received uh, from the National Treasury and the Commission, I mean, uh, we, we successfully uh, prosecuted that, uh, that, 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 that uh, tender. Okay. And then also, I mean, we have started to receive also, I mean, tenders from the before from local government as well. Before we go on yes. uh, to, to talk a little bit more about what Ronald was saying, because Mr. Abrams is leaving us now, uh, just a final word on you. What, what can we do legislatively and application of the laws that we have in place? Like if we're talking about bidding, people ensuring that pe- people make use of those non-bidding clauses and apply them, because part of the problem has been that uh, companies don't even apply legislation available to them. 
Yeah, and it, but I also think that we need to encourage, you know, to the extent that you know, the companies have been non-compliant you know, through you know this uh, you know the cartel behaviour, that uh, we need to, to look at um, exhausting uh, processes such as um, you know reporting to the um, construction industry development board and to the extent that the construction industry development board you know, you know find that there have been some serious breaches, then uh, then uh, the, the normal process of the law you know should follow. We should encourage. At this stage, we know that the uh, amendment to the Competition Act of 2009 hasn't yet you know, come into being that provides for you know, criminal liability, but to the extent that you know, cases such as uh, you know, fraud you know, could you know, be, you know, be made, etc., then uh, those are options that you know, should be considered. Uh, at the end of the day, we need to be looking at not just the, uh, what the normal uh, regulatory processes through uh, you know, the imposition of fines, etc. I don't think that that is sufficient. In addition to that, we need to be looking at private enforcement. That is to say that those who have been harmed mm. by it should you know, take cases forward. But in addition to that, there should also be other forms of remedies that we should be looking at because ultimately it's about breaking the stranglehold of cartel collusion because it is that stranglehold that makes it impossible for transformation of the economy at the various levels. Thank you very much for your time. Charles Abrams of Abrams Kibbutz <coughs> Incorporated, a South African-based law firm. We will be joined after the headlines by a U.S.-based law firm, uh, Hotsfalt LLP, to share with us uh, their experiences. Right now, it is uh, 29 minutes to 9. Let's update your news headlines with Fabakshini Chetty. And now to find out what to expect from morning talk this morning, Rowena Bird is still in Cape Town at the ICC. A very good morning to you, Miss Bird. Hey, Rowena, are you with us? Okay, it seems that we're unable to connect to Rowena Bird at this stage. Well, let's give you an update of the cricket. The second test between South Africa and Pakistan gets underway in Dubai this morning. For the latest, we on the line now to Natalie Jamalis. Good morning, Natalie. Good morning to you too. Thank you very much. Well, it's been a good start for South Africa, despite losing the toss and having to bat first. They've already got the one wicket of Kuro Manzur, who was caught by Saf Duplassie at fourth slip off the bowling of Dale Stain. It was the second ball of the morning, and Pakistan were not for one. They have now moved up to 9 for 1 in the 8th over, and the two opening bowlers are Dale Stane and Vernon Philander. At the crease for Pakistan is Azhar Ali, who's on 2 from 23, and Shan Mansud is on 5 from 20 deliveries. He's hit the 1-4 of the morning so far. South Africa then asked to bowl first after Pakistan won the toss and chose to bat first, which is not surprising as the pitch is very dry and expected to crack up and take quite a bit of turn through the rest of the test match. Pakistan have also named an unchanged 11 to the one that won the first test match by seven wickets. South Africa have named two changes. One, a false change because Hashimam is in South Africa with his wife, who's due to give birth to their second child any day now. Dean Algar is in for Hashimam, while Imran Tahir is back into the side after about a year's Absence after he was dropped from that squad that was in Australia after that horrific performance where he went for 260 runs in one test without taking a wicket. Robin Peterson has been left out as well, so it's a straight swap with regards to the spinners. Pakistan now in their first innings after winning the toss and choosing to bat first are 10 for 1. Natalie Jamalis for SAFM Sport. And uh, thanks a lot for that, Natalie, and we'll update your cricket score later on throughout uh, all SFM programs. But uh, right now we continue with our discussion here on the forum on what 
is the impact of collusion on our economy. Joined in the studio by Gregory Mufukeng, who is a Black Business Council Executive Member, Mziwoto Mokhubushe, as Head of Advocacy for the Competition Commission, who's in the studio with us. And joining us now in the studio is Charles, or rather Michael Hartsfeld, of the US-based law firm Hartsfeld's LLP. A very good morning to you, and thank you very much for joining us, Mr. Hartsfeld. I believe you're here taking part in, you're taking part in the seminar to share international experiences. Now, there's a view that because of um, the far more established and bigger brands that exist internationally and with a country like South Africa that is fairly new to the international markets, this is where price fixing uh, then begins to occur. But perhaps you could share to us your your experiences or your thoughts about cartel behavior and whether it differs from um, country to country uh, cartel behavior does not differ from country to country. Um, businesses collude wherever they operate. They're not bounded by political borders or by uh, particular social uh, economies. A-, a cartel is nothing other than a, a grand form of theft mm-hmm. where the, the businesses that collude together um, actually rob those uh, with whom they're doing business. So it is a transfer of wealth from those uh, that need to buy the product to those who manufacture the product. Um, it, it, it tends to fill the pockets of the cartelists while they empty the pockets um, of those with whom they deal. And the consumer, how are they affected? The consumer ultimately pays. For example, in, in the construction cartel, if there is a stadium, for example, um, that uh, costs more, because there was collusion in the bidding of that offer, then the stadium owner has to charge more in his tickets so that the consumer is paying more than they otherwise would have mm. in order to cover the costs that otherwise wouldn't have been imposed but for the operation of the cartel. How has the United States dealt with this phenomenon? Is there anything that we can learn from the U.S.? not just the United States, but Europe and and other countries as well have now uh, increased enforcement against cartels and abuses of dominant power. Companies that that have a large share of the market and exercise that power in a way that they too, uh, in essence, rob the market as well as robbing consumers. There has been a long history, both in the United States and now in the European Union, of aggressively publicly pursuing uh, cartel collusion as well as private enforcement so that there's a, a dual effort on one hand to punish um, those cartelists and have them pay their debt to society for violating a law of misbehavior and then as well to return to the victims that which was unlawfully taken. The debt still continues in the United States. I mean, uh, just as recent as the credit crunch that led us to the situation that we're, at, we're in, one would ask the question, what do you believe failed there? It's difficult, it's difficult to, uh, to identify what failed because most collusion occurs in secret. So uh, un- until you become aware of the fact that the market is being artificially um, manipulated. You don't know that that it's occurring, but once you do um, uh, disclose that, Mm. or it becomes disclosed, 
then you can understand the ripple effects where that which occurred in the United States had ripple effects throughout the world's economies. Okay, just to come back to you, Mr. Khubusha, you are in the process of, because we're going to go back to the callers, you're in the process of uh, replying to Ronald's question about the medical industry. Yes, Professor, I mean, the, the medical industry is a very uh, uh, complex uh, industry. And uh, as such, I mean, the Commission has been uh, engaging with the, with the industry around the issues that uh, 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 Dr. Ronald, I mean, was, uh, is, is raising. Uh, you, you, you may be aware that, uh, I mean, the Commission at this point uh, is uh, in the process, I mean, of uh, initiating an, an inquiry, you know, into, into, into the health uh, uh, sector. And uh, we hope that, uh, as a Commission, that uh, some of these issues, I mean, that uh, the Honorable, I mean, Doctor has raised, you know, will be resolved uh, and, and, and come out, you know, through that uh, particular uh, process of that health inquiry. And in those engagements, some of the issues that we had discussed, for an example, around the issue that he was raising was the issue of an, an, an exemption uh, application, for example, because our Act does provide for application uh, exemptions to be exempted from the uh, provisions of the, of the Act. Yeah. So we hope that, uh, I mean, all of these efforts uh, collectively will then uh, be able to address the concerns in the health sector. Okay, Mr. Mufikin, just to come back to you, you, you also wanted to reply to some of the uh, issues raised by Professor Rela Miller because I, I think also just listen to Mr. Hasfeld here, there, there needs to be a process internally. If, if obviously something that is secret by nature uh, will remain such until somebody volunteers information. Um, you can deal with what Mr. Uh, what Professor Rela Miller was saying, but uh, you know, balancing penalties versus incentives for people to disclose. Yes. Uh, uh, let me just address quickly uh, some of the points that were raised by the prof. Number one is that um, th that's why we need to tighten our laws because if you look at the definition of collusion uh, in the act, it's very limiting. It only looks at the horizontal relationship. But when, when, look, uh, when, when mm. uh, one looks at the construction industry, for instance, the collusion not only happened amongst the contracting companies, the consultants were also involved. Now, that's a vertical relationship, but because the definition of collusion is limiting, uh, the, the Competition Commission was unable then to bring the consultants into the fold, so that's why we need to address the law itself so that we can expand the definition there. Number two is that when you look at the vertical relationship, there are suppliers also in the industry that are involved and that are aiding the agenda of the catalysts. So you find a situation where in material suppliers don't supply other players in the, in, in the industry so that they can ensure that they fail and the, you know, the catalysts succeed. So that's why we need to change the law. And I think in, 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 in terms of really uh, balancing the issue of penalties and, 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 and voluntary uh, disclosure from the industry, we, we do recognize uh, you know, the, the, the provisions that are there in the Act which the Competition Commission does, does utilize uh, you know, to incentivize companies to come forward and disclose the information. And we are saying that also in, uh, the Competition Commission must make it easy for participants in the economy to come forward uh, because by its very nature, as you, as you had uh, earlier, this is a secretive uh, you know, activity. And therefore, it becomes difficult for one to lay one's hands on the actual information. Therefore, they have to go on uh, you know, the evidence, even though it is not strong enough that is provided by market players because you will suspect that something is going on. And we are saying that the, the Competition Commission must then strengthen its capacity to be able to investigate those thoroughly so that all these uh, secretive uh, uh, you know, activities can be eventually exposed. 
0891 We are taking your calls on this number 0891 We're going to take a quick break But just to read some SMSs before we do so This one is from Brian Kumail and Peter Maritzburg What disturbs me in these collusions Mainly driven by white males They get away with impunity Hence Mbisanias of this world are being arrested Mohan Forward says Thank you for the provoking informative transforma- Transformation focused topic Collusion is really strangling new entrants Yash and Cape Town says Corruption is rife in the private sector Fines are only a slap on the wrist bring back all the boards and uh, Maria says first uh, worst affected by these practices prices to be frozen and CEOs jailed Lordwick Lutel on Twitter says no BEE is for very few politically connected individuals and the gold BEE deal is a practical example well we'll get back to your calls in just a moment what's happened to the life insurance policies you bought over the years the ones to provide for your family when you're gone the ones to see you through retirement. When last did you check if they are still in force and what they are worth? Finding out used to be a hassle. Now, an online search engine gives you a full report for free. It's called Verify. Verify with an I. For more, go to verify.coza. Offered by Springpoint Finance, an authorized financial service provider. Small parts make a big impact. Take the cogs of a machine. Unimpressive, yet each adds to the efficiency of the whole. Without them, things fall apart. A true leader sees every part of their business as important. Our executive education programs teach you how to fully harness them so your company runs as a well-oiled engine, driving you and your people into the future. Visit unisa.ac.za forward slash SPL. The UNISA Graduate School of Business Leadership. Building leaders who go beyond. Do you spend more than you earn? Take up credit to make ends meet? Do you ever think about your family's financial future? Will their financial position be as comfortable as it is now, even if you are out of a job or no longer around? Be a saver, not a spender. Join thousands of other South Africans who have found a savings home in RSA Retail Savings Bonds and start saving now. To save, call 012-315-5888 or go to rsaretailbonds.gov.za. With no fees or commissions, it's the smart way to save. To celebrate Top Billing's 21st birthday, we're giving away the grand prize of a dream home and luxury cabriolet, along with a host of weekly bonus prizes. In just a few weeks, this will be one of the most luxuriously furnished apartments in South Africa. Keep watching Top Billing and you could win this dream home and a luxury car. Each entry puts you in the running, so keep watching and keep entering. Thursday nights at 8.30, repeat Sunday at 12. Stay with SABC3. This is my chance to be heard. I know I can help make a difference. This place is beautiful. You have a reason to vote in the 2014 national elections, but are you registered? Registration stations open on 9 and 10 November 2013. Remember to take your green ID book or smart card with you. You can also SMS your ID number to 32810 to check if you're registered or visit elections.org.za. Your vote is a celebration of 20 years of democracy. IEC, I vote South Africa. Standard SMS rates apply. Leonard is trying to save the planet. Leonard has separate bins for paper, plastic and tins, but he empties them into one big dustbin outside anyway. Leonard, Leonard, Leonard. At PG Glass, we care about our environment. All original South African shatterproof windscreens contain no hazardous lead in the paint, and broken windscreens are recycled. Isn't that awesome? PG Glass. 0860-030303 The Forum at 8 on SAFM
What are your views? Share them with us. The question we're asking, what's the impact of collusion on our economy? And uh, you can give us a call on 0891104208. Mr. Mlambo, in Frenaging, you talk about collusion in government, or you want to talk about that. Good morning to you. How are you? Well, thanks. How are you? Okay. Uh, I just want to talk about this collusion, which happens in the daylight, I mean, in the highest level of the government. Uh, if I went on to uh, check, I mean, if you can check, it includes all the attorneys, the lawyers, and so forth. Because now you find, I mean, the Gazette, which is uh, brought outside there. For instance, let's talk about the Italy. There was uh, an information which came out to say, okay, right, the majority of EU, I mean, of Harden, they agreed to Italy. But in the actual sense, it's 99, 99% is don't agree to that. And now that information... Even when you go to the attorneys, the lawyers, because the lawyers are paid by the, by the government and they get their pension by the government, even when you, anything goes to the lawyer, they will favor, I mean, the one who is the, is the ruling party, the government. So that is collusion, because now the majority is being neglected. So there's no a thorough investigation into the issue to say, okay, right, if this is happening, why is it happening that way? I mean, what is the true effect on that way? If, if it were possible, Meet everybody, even if everybody is calling. I never heard okay. anyone who said, okay, right, I agree to the call. Mr. Mamba, I, I think we get your point. Thank you very much for that. Jacqueline in Durban. Hi, I also have a gripe with the government because they partly own telephone companies. And I would like to know how you can pay for computer airtime. You've actually physically paid your money for X amount of time, and if you don't use it within X amount of, obviously, time, they will take it away. If you go and purchase a new pair of shoes and you don't use them, nobody takes one shoe away. Mm. So how can that be legal and acceptable? Thank you. Okay. Uh, Mr. Khobosho, would you perhaps like to respond to that? Uh, as a piece, I mean, uh, with regards to issues in the in the telecoms, I think uh, the appropriate for uh, a regulator to deal with those matters would be the. But what about the principle of what Jacqueline is raising? Um, I mean, with with, with regards to airtime being a takeaway, I mean that's not a, that's not a competition uh, issue to this. All right. Uh, before I, I move on to um, the issue of private enforcement, because I believe that these are some of the subjects that you were sharing, Mr. Hasfeld, with, with the seminar, I'd like to look at import parity pricing and the impact that it has on collusive behavior as well. Uh, what international best practice examples can you share with us of uh, countries that have been able to avoid this? China would be the the one that comes um, first to mind where, in, in essence, they are um, identifying markets and then dumping products in the markets, and the dumping um, arises from collusive activity by companies in China. We had an example recently of Chinese vitamin manufacturers who actually had um, the audacity to publish on the Internet the fact that they were getting together to fix prices in order to improve their profitability in China. And they actually drove companies dealing in their products in the home countries out of business. So it not only hurt the businesses in the home countries, but it increased the cost to consumers. Mm. Mr. Mufiking, just in terms of um, 
private enforcement. I believe that came that's something that you that came out of your seminar that you are now moving a step further to say you you will provide a platform for people who want to report collusion. Yes, uh, the reason why we brought Mr. Hosfeld is that uh, we wanted an international perspective on this, uh, as this is a still a new area mm-hmm. in our country. And um, um, yesterday we resolved then that we are going to s- establish a desk where our members and other members of the public uh, can then forward um, uh, issues to us, and we'll then uh, t- take up those issues and then present them to the Competition Commission, where in they discover collusive behaviour in the economy. Um, I think uh, you know. The tests that were shared with us yesterday were very interesting. For instance, the issue um, in, in, in the EU, uh, only 20% of the cases you know, are, subject, are subjected to, to private enforcement, and we want um, you know, South Africans to take up this option. Uh, we want South Africans to take up this option, so uh, we are encouraging people then to make contact with us so that we can take up these issues. Mm-hmm. So, then... Any examples, uh, Mr. Hasfeld, I believe you spoke about Goldman Sachs and, and, and the penalty that they had to endure. How how is that ultimately aided those who were wronged? Goldman Sachs um, just agreed to pay $9 billion um, in fines to the United States, $4 billion of which is being dedicated to return to consumers who, who were cheated. When you talk about um, numbers in that order of magnitude, and that's from just one institution, and the, the amounts of money th- that um, are traded every day, for example, in uh, uh, interest rates, where the interest rates were manipulated by the banks, that's trillions of dollars. Home mortgages, uh, car loans, all of those were affected by that manipulation. That is what is siphoning off um, from economies and decreasing consumer welfare literally around the globe. But if the punishment is to be effective, I'd imagine that the laws also have to be very precise and specific on the role of people who were colluding. Because if if you're talking about facilitating practices, that is often overlooked in, in, in pinpointing those who are found guilty of collusion. Yes, and that's why... Um, as Gregory said, private enforcement uh, is so critical because government enforcement is focused on identifying those items that um, the government can uncover. But there's a limited budget, and then there's a strain um, mm. literally on resources, whereas private enforcement has a, a greater field and can undertake uh, cases against facilitating practices in order to recover that which is lost by reason of those practices. There's, there's a duality. P- public enforcement is absolutely necessary in order to establish the boundaries of improper conduct. Private enforcement is equally necessary in order to return that which is unlawfully taken to those from whom it was taken so that they can restore their businesses, return market integrity, um, transform economies and increase welfare. Well, just uh, to get uh, to wrap up, um, I'm going to. Um, I, I believe some of the callers would like to get Mr. Khabushu's email address, perhaps to forward some of uh, uh, their concerns or complaints, or perhaps get clarity in some of the issues. But just to just to wrap up, going forward, then, Mr. Mufakin, how do we build? 
an enabling environment which allows, for instance, I mean, the complaint was brought up earlier on about small to medium businesses and the, the impact on them uh, that allows them to grow, but yet at the same time to ensure that you, you discourage the kind of behavior which some would say has almost become the norm in our business environment that you have to, on some level, um, be tacit in, in, in this kind of behavior to get far. Well, I think what is important is that we need to discourage uh, cartel behavior. And the only way to do that is to tighten our laws and to make sure that individuals and companies that are involved, uh, you know, pay a price at the end of the day. Uh, and hence, uh, we are excited about this uh, private enforcement option because then those that have been wronged can then take up the issue and make sure that the restitution happens. Would increasing the penalties help? Well, I mean, private, uh, if, if you look at some of the studies that come out, uh, you know, from the EU and the US, it doesn't help as such. Uh, and, and that's why we say, you know, maybe if one looks at the private enforcement option, that will, will go a long way towards correcting uh, the situation, mm -hmm. you know. So, so, so I think that's where we need to start. And then obviously create an enabling environment for SMMEs to thrive. And obviously that, uh, you know, covers a whole lot of variables that we, 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 we contend with on a day-to-day -day basis access to finance and so on and so forth but uh, we, we just need to create an enabling environment for SMMEs to thrive. Mr. Hasfeld, briefly, how can consumers protect themselves? Crime shouldn't pay and essentially uh, collusion is crime and what you need to do is change the equation so that the cost of engaging the collusion is, less, is greater than the profit earned by the collusion and so consumers and businesses that are, are kept out of markets have to assist the public authorities and seek restitution because that that is where the greater uh, of the fine comes from when they have to return that which they um, was wrongly taken. All right, Mr. Khubushe, where can our listeners reach you? Uh, they can uh, reach us at uh, uh, ccsa at mm -hmm. compcom.co.za uh, ccsa at compcom.co.za Compcom. Com. Right. Thank you very much to all my guests. Uh, that is uh, Gregory Mufaking, Black Business Council Executive Member, Mziwoto Mokhobusha's Head of Advocacy for the Competition Commission. And thank you as well to Michael Hansfeldt of the US-based law firm Hansfeldt's LNP. Thanks to the team, Misha Shandlali and Swaki Ku. Our senior producers are Lungile Mabasa and Lengiwe Mabasa. Technical producer Ndogos Okuzwaya with Gift Zigalala. Foreign producers Ronald Piri, Jake Mukoma, our chief producer Tiwazusu Lukoto. Executive producers are Wusi Chani and Obrisa Jia. From myself, Tepiso Makutla and the team, enjoy the rest of your day. Up next, the news at 9 o'clock with Fabakshini Chetty, followed by Rowena Bird, who is in Cape Town for at the ICC conference.